We have, we have completed seven chapters from the book of Romans and I want to thank many of you who have given the feedback about the sermons and I am grateful to you. It has been my personal uh, journey as I started preparing this book. It has been a great blessing to me. It was a tough book. But definitely, I have been personally blessed uh, studying the book of Romans. So we are going to take a break for the time being. And we will start from chapter 8 in the new year. Today, I want to speak on the topic of are we aware of our spiritual privileges? Are we aware of our spiritual privileges? You know, we all know that India became independent on August 15, 1947. And before that, we were under the dominion of the British. And what happened during that time is, the British government had imposed so many restrictions on us. For example, you know, the Indian nationals were not allowed to travel in first class. They just, even if they can buy a ticket, they cannot go by first class. Not only that, in many of the restaurants, they had special claims exclusively Yama for the British nationals. And the Indian nationals couldn't enter those places. Even access to education was denied to Indian nationals. You cannot send your children where you felt like the normal schools and universities were barred for Indian nationals. Even in the public parks, you were not allowed to enter. So there were so many restrictions that were imposed on Indian nationals. Though the, this land and the resources belong to us, just by virtue of their sheer force and strength, the British continued to rule over us and they denied the rights that are rightfully that belong to us. In case today, post-independence, if an Indian national says, you know, I won't send my child to so-and-so school. I won't send my, I won't travel by first class. I won't allow my children to go to the public parks. If an Indian actually were to say like that, what would you call it? You would call it a foolish man. Because here, now he has the rights, he has the privileges, but he doesn't want to avail those privileges. In the same way, in the spiritual realm too, once upon a time, we were in the dominion of darkness. And God, in His grace, in His mercy, He brought us out from the dominion of darkness into His wonderful light. Or He brought us into His kingdom. Now today, are we aware of our status in the kingdom of God? Are we aware 
of our status in the kingdom of God. Are we aware of the spiritual privileges that we have because we are children of God? Are we aware? So to understand, uh, to answer these questions, let's rise to our feet for the scripture reading taken from 1st Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 10. 1st Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 10. First Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into your spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, special position of God that you may declare the praises of him who call you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is God's word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. About Father, as we meditate on your word, bless us with your presence. Bless us with your enlightenment. Help us to understand. Spirit of God, I pray you will minister to each one of us in a way we can understand, in a way we can respond to this text. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Kindly be seated. Verse 9 begins with the word but. But you are a chosen people. That's how the verse begins. The moment you hear the word but, that means something has gone before that. The writer has mentioned something before that and now to contrast that what has gone before, he says, but. So in other words, he says, you know, he has mentioned a negative example before verse 9. It's a negative example. 
Because in verse 9 he says, But you are a chosen people. Now the negative example adds to the appreciation of the positive one. Verse 9 is a positive example and before verse 9 there is a negative example because he has given us a negative example it amplifies the positive statement that is going to make in verse 9. He says what is the negative example? He says God has appointed the disobedient to destruction. The disobedient people are destined for destruction but on the contrary believers are chosen people. Because in verse 6 to 8 he says for in scripture it says see I lay a stone inside you are chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So disobedient people are meant for destruction, and the Bible says, but, but, they are meant for destruction, but, what about you? You are a chosen people. That's how Peter say, writes in the letter. And Peter, he uses a series of titles to explain the status of the believers. He, he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Are we aware of our spiritual privileges? He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position. Has Peter coined these titles? Has it come to him as a revelation? No. Peter is basically is immersed in the Old Testament prophetic messages and he is ascribing the titles that they were, that were given to the Israelites to the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to you and me because in Isaiah 43 21 it says the people I form for myself that they may proclaim my praise the people that I form for myself that they may proclaim my praise you know you and I God has formed for himself. To whom do we belong? We belong to God. Because God has formed us for himself. What is the purpose? That they may proclaim my praise. The only reason 
The only reason that we have been chosen is so that we may proclaim God's praises. In other words, all the promises that were made to the people of Israel are being fulfilled in the lives of the New Testament believers. That's what Peter says. So each title that he has given a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position has lots and lots of meaning. So we need to understand. If we have to understand our special privileges, otherwise we will not enter the public park. We will not travel by first class. Though we have those privileges because we are not aware of our privileges. So what are those privileges? So the first thing he says is, we are a chosen people. We are a chosen people. The moment you come across the word chosen, the initiative is with God. The initiative is with God. We did not choose Him. That's what Jesus said. You did not choose me, but I chose you. If somebody says, I am so and so, I am so good, you know, better God choose me, then you know, he doesn't understand. None of us can stand before God and say, God, please choose me. That's why salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift because we are just chosen. God died for us while we were yet sinners. We were not chosen after we have became saints. We were chosen while we were yet sinners. Why me? I don't know. That's God's love. So we are a chosen people. Now, this goes back to the Exodus narrative where the people of Israelites, they were brought out from Egypt and when they came to Mount Sinai, this is what God said. Exodus 19.36 Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob. And what you have to tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. If you don't understand, if we don't understand our salvation experience in these terms, we have not understood our salvation. Once upon a time, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt in the same way we were also slaves to our sin. And the sin master devil, we belong to him. And God carried us on eagle's wings and brought us to himself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nations. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Sometimes in churches, the word God has become so common 
as though we take it for granted that God is obligated to extend his relationship to us. Sometimes we become too casual when we take the name God. 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 He has extended his hand of friendship to us. That's the greatest privilege. And that's, we should never lose sight of this fact. We should have that reverence that I can call my God as Abba Father. Abba Father. Let, it not, let us not use that privilege very casually. We need to have that reverence. I can call upon the Creator God as my Abba Father. Now, in the case of Israelites, they had to obey God fully and keep the covenant. And we all know the Israelites failed. But for us, Jesus came because we are unable to fulfill this requirement. Jesus came and fulfilled this requirement on our behalf. It is because of his obedience, as you read in Philippians chapter 2, he humbled him, he obeyed to the point of to the death of the cross, death on the cross. So he obeyed, he obeyed, because you and I are not capable of obeying God fully, and because Jesus obeyed in our place, we are a chosen people. We are a chosen people. We are not chosen because we kept the law, because Jesus kept the law, we have been chosen. Now, if we are chosen means, what does it imply? We are chosen for privilege. We are chosen for privilege. When we say, but you are a chosen people, the first thing that should come to our mind is, we are chosen for privilege. What is that privilege? The privilege of having friendship with God. That's a privilege. That is the greatest privilege. Having to have friendship with God. You know, God has become our friend. Sometimes it's all okay, God is my friend, but I want something else. How many of us can say, God is my friend and that's enough for me, that's enough for me. God has become our friend and we have become God's friends. Have you seen, you know, people, if you are in the highest position, they'll try to get closer to you. Have you seen in your workplaces? Somehow I want to get closer to this man because he's a man with authority. Position of authority. But how many of us we run to God because He is our friend. He is our friend. God is our friend. So that is a privilege as a chosen people we have. We are all chosen for privilege. God is my friend. God is my friend. There is nothing greater than that. We are not only chosen for privilege, we are chosen for obedience. Because every time we have a privilege, remember it always 
responsibility and the responsibility is we should become obedient children of God. We are not chosen to do what we feel like. We have been chosen not to do what we feel like but we have been chosen to do what God wants. What God's will is. That's why it said that the small, a small step of obedience is a giant step to blessing. A small step of obedience, obeying God in small, small things, will, you know, will, will result in great blessings. We are chosen for privilege. We are chosen for obedience. We are chosen for service. The first two, it's okay God, but the third is very difficult. We are chosen for service. Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the You can never be a child of God if you don't serve, if you don't have that service mentality. You can never be a child of God. We can justify ourselves. We have been chosen for service. Because Jesus said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We can stand and jump and say, I am a chosen person. We are, but you are a chosen people. We can jump, but we need to realize, you are chosen for what? You are chosen for privilege, you are chosen for obedience, you are chosen for service. You know, many of us will have you know, will say that I'm a senior executive in so and so company. How many of us have that sense of pride to say, I'm a servant of God? I'm a servant of God. If God is speaking our life, this title, the servant of God, is far, far superior to any designation you can think of in this world. Let it be Prime Minister, President, any designation you can think of, you know, the servant of God title is better than anything else you can think of. So we are chosen for service because once you realize who our God is and what He has done for us, I would rather be His servant. That's why David said, Better to be in this in the core, in this temple for one day. I would rather be a servant of God for one day than to be a great CEO of a company. We are chosen for privilege, we are chosen for obedience, and we are chosen for service. Now, are we aware of our privilege? Are we obedient to God? Are we? How good is our service? When we say we are chosen people, we need to ask these questions. Am I aware of the privileges? How obedient I am? And how good is my service? Service not to myself, but to others. Service not to deserving, but to undeserving. Because when Jesus served us, we were all undeserving. It is very good to be good to good people. But it is very difficult to be good to the ungrateful people. And God expects you and me to be good 
to those who are ungrateful, to serve those who will not pay you back. Now we are a chosen people, and then Peter says we are a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. It's remarkable that he has combined both the titles in one metaphor: royalty as well as priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. Now this also comes from Exodus 19:6. You know when uh, God said, "You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now the sad fact is, the Israelites lost their privilege because they did not obey God. They lost this privilege. But as children of God. The book of Revelation assures us in chapter five, nine, and ten, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. The privileges that were given to Israelites is now being given to you and me, persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Whatever privileges were given to the people of Israel are being given to you and me now because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here there is no Greek. Or Jew. Here there is no high caste or low caste. Here there is only one caste, washed by the blood of Jesus. That's privilege God has given you and me. Now, when we are talking about the royal priesthood, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You know, the, the two aspects to the priesthood. First, he is the man who himself has access to God, and whose task it is to bring others to God. If you read the ancient history, you will always realize it was the priest who had access to God. The ordinary people cannot enter. Even today, in the temple, ordinary people cannot go. It's a priest who has access. Same way, even in the temple in Jerusalem, it is the it is the it's the high priest who had access to the holy of holies. All did not have access. So when we are talking about royal priesthood, we have access to God. We can access God because of what Jesus did on the cross. The curtain was torn. From top to bottom, when Jesus died for us on the cross, it is because of that a new way has been opened to us that each one of us have a direct access to God. You, we don't need somebody else to come and mediate that path. We have direct access to God. The Latin word 
for the priest is Pontifex. Basically, it's a bridge builder. A priest is supposed to build the bridge between people and God. That's the meaning of the word Pontifex. Bridge builder. Now, we are called as chosen people a royal priesthood. So God expects us to build a bridge between people and Him. That's what we are supposed to do. We have the duty and the privilege of bringing others to the Savior. What is the privilege of being a royal priesthood? We have the duty, it's the duty and the privilege of bringing others to our Savior. The second aspect of the royal priesthood is he brings offering to God. You don't see a priest going before God with an empty hand. He brings an offering to God. If we are calling ourselves as royal priesthood, we must continuously bring offering before God. That's what royal priesthood signify. You know, under the Old Testament, the priest brought animal sacrifices as offering. But now, as people of God, what do we offer? We offer him spiritual sacrifice. How do we offer spiritual sacrifice to God? We should make our work as an offering to God. We should make our work as an offering to God. If you and I are royal priesthood, whatever work we have been called to do, we should make that work as an offering to God. You know, Christians sometimes they have this wrong idea of work. That work is secular, only when I come to church it is sacred. Whatever task we have been assigned to do, a driver, clerk, a security guard, or a policeman, any, any work that we do, we should do it as an offering to God. Because we are priests, we are royal priests, we can never stand before God with empty hands. So we have to make our work as an offering to God. And when we grumble about our work, how good is our offering? When we grumble, complain, murmur, steady, you know, waste the time, remember how good is our offering? How good is our offering? So, as royal priesthood, whatever we are doing, we should do it as an offering unto God. It is not only our work. When we do like this, that's why we have dignity of labor. Because as Christians, we never consider this is a menial job, this is a superior job. All jobs are good jobs. Because when we offer our work, as an offering unto God, the world is also covered with glory. Nothing becomes insignificant. So we are, as royal priesthood, we offer our work as an offering to God. Not only that, 
we also offer our worship as an offering to God. When we come here and worship, we just offer it to God. Worship unto God. It is not people who are standing here. It is not for the pastor. It is not for the church. It is not for the music. Those who are playing the instruments. When we come and worship, we worship unto God. Unto God. As an offering unto God. And then, you know, Paul said, not only we offer our worship, we offer ourselves as an offering to God. Because in Romans 12, 1, Paul says, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. So when we say that, you are, but you are a chosen people, your royal priesthood, that means as a royal priesthood, we give our work as an offering, our worship as an offering, and our very life as an offering to God. It is not enough just to say, I am a chosen people, a royal priesthood, we sing that song. But we need to understand the meaning of these titles. And if we want to enjoy the blessings of this promise, then we have to offer ourselves, offer our work, offer our worship, and offer ourselves as an offering unto God. So, this morning, it's a good time to ask ourselves, Wherever God has positioned you, are you functioning like a royal priest? Wherever God has positioned you, it's not only in the church or pastor or evangelist or a teacher, wherever, whatever job you are doing, are you functioning like a royal priesthood? Are you happy with the offering that you present before God? Lord, I do my work unto you. I'll come back to that worship part. Why it's important we come here on Sunday to worship. When you come here as corporate body, do you present it unto God as an offering unto God? You know the lamb, the lamb that they presented was supposed to be without any effect, blemish. How about our offering? Our offering. Offering at your workplaces, offering in the church. Is it without blame? Without blemish? Offering my life? Is it without blame? Without blemish? Then only we understand the meaning of the word royal, priest word. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood and we are a holy nation. The moment you hear the word holy, it means you have been set apart. You are different from others. When God has chosen us, He has chosen us to be different from others. Because we have dedicated ourselves. It's not the parents have to come and dedicate their children. I have dedicated him to God's service. All of us are dedicated to God's service. Whether parents have done it or not. Because the moment you are a chosen person, you have been chosen as a royal priesthood and you have been dedicated to God's service. You have been set apart. You are a holy nation. You know, a man, if he wants to become a Christian, you need to tell him. You should not tell him if you become a Christian, everything will become alright. No, everything will not become alright. 
You need to tell him you are on a long journey. You are on a long journey. You are going to serve God. But the only assurance you have is God will walk with you. God will walk with you. You come to Christ, everything will become alright. Everything means what? This is such a privileged journey that we can walk with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we are a holy nation. If somebody is not willing to embark on this journey, you don't have to force it. There are people who are disobedient to the message are meant for destruction. In Hebrews 12, 14 it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. The moment you are on a path to lead a holy life, remember you can't be, you can't live in peace with everyone. Because God knows we are living in this world. The moment we are living in this world and I, I choose to lead a holy life, I can't live in peace with everyone. But the Bible says make every effort to live in peace with everyone. That doesn't mean that we'll be able to live in peace with everyone. In your workplaces, somebody wants to compromise on certain things. You cannot compromise just for the sake of peace. You cannot compromise. So you might try, but you don't, you're not bound. So you be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's why in Romans 12, 2 it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. How different are we from others? How different are we from others? I'm not talking about our religious credentials. In terms of our attitude, in terms of our integrity, how different are we from others? Because we are your holy nation. The last title is, we are God's special position. But you are a chosen people, your royal priesthood, your holy nation, God's special position. Who owns us? God. Because we are God's special position. If this is my position, this belongs to me. I own it. So when we say you are, but you are a chosen people, in a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position. How many of us can say, God possesses me fully? We want to possess God. We want to direct God. How many of us can say, God possesses me totally, like I possess, I possess this. This is mine. This is mine. I possess, I have all the right over this. How many of us can say that God possesses me? 
I am God's possession. How many of us can say? I am God's possession. Now, if you have been to your museum, even ordinary things you will find in the museum. Maybe a spectacles, uh, maybe a walking stick, maybe a pen, book. Why those things are so special? Why are they placed in a museum? Why? Because those things were possessed by a great man. Ordinary spectacles. Just because it was possible, it was used by Mahatma Gandhi as special. Now you know where you and I derive our value from. Because we are God's possession. How precious you and I are. Because we are God's, God's special, not just God's position, God's special. Do we recognize that? Do we say, do we want to be possessed by God or not? That's a struggle we have. God, whenever I feel like you possess me, whenever I don't feel like, just leave me alone. So we are God's special possession. Our value comes not because of what we do or how much we have studied or how much money we have in our pocket. Our value comes because we are possessed. We are God's special possession. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18-19 it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ. A lamp without blemish or defect. You know, do you consider yourself as a person who has been bought with the precious blood of Christ? A lamp without blemish or defect. The more we meditate on the cross, we will understand how valuable we are. We are God's special possession. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Let me quickly recap. But you are a chosen people. You are chosen for privilege. You are chosen for obedience. You are chosen for service. You are a chosen people. You are royal priesthood. You are the link between people and God. You are the bridge builder. You are the royal priesthood. You are the royal priesthood, so I bring an offering. My work as an offering to God, my worship as an offering to God, my very life as an offering to God. 
But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I can't live the way others are living. God expects me to lead a holy life. It is not the way, you know, how I appear, external appearance. But the difference comes from the bottom of our hearts, from within. We are the way we think, the way they think. The way they value things, the way we value things. So we are a holy nation. I have been set apart. We are God's special possession. I belong to God. I belong to God. I no longer own my life. God owns my life. I am a special possession of God. God values me because I am a special possession. Anything that's valuable to you, you will keep it carefully. So God also has kept us carefully. If you are in His hand, He will handle us carefully. So have we allowed ourselves to propose this by God? How do we apply this message? You know, there was a great preacher by name Henry Martin Lloyd Jones. In the 1950s, this man, he expounded the word so well. The elders of the church, they went to him and they said, we want to record your messages because more people need to hear these messages. And for quite some time, he did not allow it because of this particular verse. Because of this particular verse, he did not allow the church elders to record his messages. But later on, he relented and he allowed. Because he allowed, we have the privilege of listening to his great sermons. Uh, you can go and listen to his sermons, they are excellent. Martin Lloyd Jones. Now the reason why he did not allow his... You know, Nowadays we look forward, when they will record my voice, how many hits, how many people are viewing. You know, but here is a man who says, I don't want my message to be recorded. The reason being, when this particular words which we use, but you are a chosen people, your royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position, that you may declare the praises of Him who brought you all from darkness into his wonderful light. He realized this verse has not been given to individual people. It has been given to your community. This is a promise that operates in a community. So he says, if you hear the message, when I preach, there's God's presence. You know, you can download sermons. Unfortunately, you cannot download God's presence. You can download. People say, Sundays I'll sit at home and listen to sermon. Great preachers are there. Wonderful. But you can download the sermons, but you cannot download God's presence. That is why it is important as children of God on Sundays or any day, whatever day, I'm not saying only Sundays. Whatever day is the community agrees for you to come and be part of the community. It is in that community God's presence is assured. 
I've always seen people who make it a point to come to church on Sundays. Somewhere they enjoy the blessings. I cannot tell how or whatever. But I've seen in the villages there are people come what may on Sundays and be in the church. But because they happen to be present in the community, they reap certain blessings. So when you think, just I will download a sermon and I will hear, you know, God's blessing is not there. That's, that's biblical. It's important for us to be part. If you want to have this privilege of being a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position, it has to happen only in a community, not as an individual. Because in Exodus, this applied to the Israelites as a community, not individual people. When God gave this promise, He gave it to them as a community. And today also that promise comes to us as a community, not as an individuals. We need to understand, if I'm going to say I'm a royal priesthood, if it come in the community, not as an individual. That's in Isaiah 61.6 it says, And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will, be, you will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. You can take these individual verses and say it applies to me, but it doesn't apply to individuals. You know, when, Pete, when God chose the Israelites, why did He choose them? Because they were great. Because they were big. Why did God choose the Israelites? Because He wanted the Israelites to mirror the glory of God to the other nations. They were chosen so that they can mirror the glory of God to the other nations. And today also, God has chosen you and me so that we can reflect the glory of God to the people outside. That's the reason why God has chosen. Now, Israelites, they fail. How do we say they fail? Because we know what happened in 722 BC. The Assyrians, they came and they took them as the northern kingdom was taken as captives. And in 586 BC, the southern kingdom was taken as captives. So Israelites failed. The Assyrians and Babylonians, they invaded Israel. And so they failed in keeping up this commandment. But now, we are the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ has already kept the commandment for us. He has obeyed the commandment for us. You and I have been called now to mirror that glory to this nation. How do we do that? There is power not in you, not in me, but in the gospel. And we are here to share the gospel with others. How do we do that? The first way we can do that is every one of us is a minister. Every one of us is a minister.
you know, sometimes people think it is pastor's job. No, it is not pastor's job. It is everyone's job. Everyone's job to be yes, minister of God. Because God has gifted each one of us. We are all members of one body, but God has gifted each one of us. We need to discover that spiritual gifts in a community. Understand that gift and then we are to go and we are to serve. An old preacher said, we are saved so that we can serve. We are saved so that we can serve. I think uh, Bill Hybels put this in a very nice way. Uh, Bill Hybels says, I would never want to reach out someday with a soft hand, a hand never dirty by serving and shame the name bears hand of Jesus. I would never want to reach out someday with a soft hand, a hand never dirty by serving and shake the nameless hand of Jesus. That's why there is nothing, there's nothing known as an isolated Christians. Isolated individualistic Christians are all, they are not Christians. They actually, they don't know the scriptures. God doesn't expect us to be a holy person only locked in a room. God expects us to be holy in a place where He has kept us, in a community. So every one of us is a minister. Have you dirtied your hand by serving others? Many of you have dirtied your hands. That's why you all are sitting here this morning. Many of you, of you have come, set this room. Week after week you come and dirty, his, dirty your hands so that we can come and sit. But all of us, have we dirtied our hand by serving? So that one day we will shake the name pierced hand of Jesus. Now the second aspect of this verse is, Peter reminds us of how God sees us, of who we really are. How God sees us, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position. When God has chosen us, that is the way He sees us. Not the way we are, but the way He is. God sees us as what we will become. We are significant people because God has chosen us. Because God has chosen us, we are significant. Now if God is so big in our life and if we are God's special position, definitely we are all precious. Because we are in God's hand, God's special position. So no believer can be an ordinary person. None of you, none of us can be an ordinary person. But people say, I cannot do this, I cannot do that. No. We are all, uh, we are all 
we are all capable of doing something in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there is no unemployment. You want to make yourself unemployed, that is your choice. But when God has chosen you, He has not chosen you without a job. In the kingdom of God, there is no unemployment. And how well you are employed? You can work for 10 minutes, you can work for one hour. Even like in your company, nine and a half hours. How many hours do you really work? Nine and a half hours. So in the kingdom of God also, you can work the way you want. So this morning, I will preach on this verse. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position, that you may declare the praises of Him who brought you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Now, how do we appropriate the words? How do we appropriate? Would you consider becoming a member of this community? Because this is a verse which is for the community. Would you consider, I want to be part of this community, part of this body? Because it is only as a part of the body you can share, declare the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness in this wonderful life. There is a power that has been given to church which is not available to any other organization in this world. Next to heaven, the second most powerful organ or institution in this world is church. God exercises all his powers through the church. Now as Christians, as a church, for years we have just, we have not bothered to understand this. God has called us in a, positioned us in a strategic place. The more I think my calling to this place, I just hand in all God. God has positioned us in a strategic place so that we will shine the glory of God in this place. Are you not excited? God has brought you to this place so that you can be part of the community. So would you consider to become part of this community? It entails responsibilities. Privileges always comes with the responsibilities. Are you ready? God is calling you this morning. Would you like to be involved in any ministry of AGAG? So that you understand your spiritual gift and you shine the glory of God. If you are not part of any ministry, would you commit yourself to become part of that ministry? Would you commit yourself to adding the Bible study, missions prayer, community prayer? Or would you like to be only a Sunday Christian? Many of those of you who are doing it well and good, those of you who are not doing it, God has called us to be part of the community. If this land that we are praying for, from Martali to Bhartukodi to Hopewalk to Kyadram to Martali, if God's light has to shine on this land, 
We have to work according to the God's instructions, according to God's word. It won't come because of human strategies. It is only divine strategies which will demolish the weapons of falsehood in this place. We are fighting against, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, evil powers. How do we do that? All of us have to be united and understand that question. Are you ready? Otherwise, individually, we keep saying this verse, I am a chosen person, I am a holy nation, a royal priest. Individually, you can say that, but this verse has not been given to individuals. It has been given to people who are part of a community. If you want to have these spiritual privileges, you need to commit yourself to the calling that's been given to you. Will you commit yourself this morning? Will you bow down your heads? Ask God, God, I am in a special position. Are you not excited? Because you are God's special position. Are you not excited? Does it not make you happy that you are God's special position? Are you not excited? You are, cho you are chosen. Not that you have chosen God, but you are chosen. Would you not like to do the responsibilities that are there in the community? Those of you who really want to commit yourselves, you know, to serve God the fellowship of the church. It's a beautiful time for you. You can make a commitment. If you are really interested, it's not embarrass you. You can lift up your hand and put it on. We want to, you know, guide you further. We want to Yes, two hands, four hands in the corner. Yes, five hands. Six, seven, eight. Anyone else, please? Yes, you may come. You may not belong to Bangu. You may belong to somewhere else. But uh, you've been coming to our church. Until you're going to be in Bangu, you can still serve God. Yes. Can you please stand? Those who have come your hands, can you please stand? This is not to balance you. Please stand. It's a beautiful moment. Please stand. Anyone else, please, you want to leave yourself and say, I want to be part of this church ministry. We want you to please uh, meet Pastor after the service, and uh, then Pastor will guide us further into this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for helping the church to understand we as a community, Lord, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and master a people called to be our own possession. We thank you for making us dear ones who are standing to understand Lord, their calling. Thank you for giving them a heart to humble themselves, to stand to say yes. I want to serve in the fellowship of the church. Father, next to heaven, the most powerful community in this earth is the church. It's not, it's not just the government, the army, the police, but it is the church. And I thank you for helping these dear ones to come forward, Lord, to drop themselves into this great army of God. 
I pray that you help us, Lord, to guide these dear ones in such a way they will be powerful instruments, Lord, to serve you in the fellowship of the church. You will bless them. You will never allow, Lord, any discouragement, Lord, to come their way to put them down. In the midst of all challenges, they will rise up to serve you. Lord, you are not looking for perfect people. Looking for people who are made. That's all. Master, the perfect things come from you. They never come from us. And help us to realize that. And help us to just lead us and to lead us the ones of done. Bless them. And Lord, from this day, their life with the church and through the church is very different. I pray also for others, Lord, who are not able to put up their hand, others who are already serving, but others who, who do not put up their hand. We do not know 